Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast, where we will be bringing together the best technical leaders from across the industry to discuss passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Lewis Burks, and I connect businesses with talented contractors in the project services market, and I will be your host today. Welcome to the latest episode of the Evolution Australia Exchange podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across Australia to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. My name is Lewis Burks, and my role here at Evolution, as well as being your host today, is to connect businesses with talented contractors in the project services market. Today, I'm joined by Ramya Powraj, Jack Packham, and Koshal Shah to discuss a wide-ranging topic that affects all of us, irrelevant of industry these days, it would seem, the role of a business analyst in a modern tech and product company. So before we dive into the topics, let's get to meet everyone who will be talking today. So uh, let's work our way around the room. Ramya, if you'd like to kick us off with a bit of an introduction to yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Ramya. I'm currently leading a business analysis practice at Endeavour Group. Endeavour Group operates Australia's largest uh, retail drinks network and a portfolio of licensed hotels with major brands including Dan Murphy's, BWS and, and uh, ALH Hotels. I'm, um, I started my career in Sydney, Australia back in 2005 as a software engineer. Deep down, I always wanted to be a business analyst and I followed my passion and uh, moved into the discipline of business analysis from 2006. Ever since then, I'm happily following, um, enjoying my um, different flavors of business analysis roles. Um, during this time, I've played different types of roles in business analysis, including functional, technical, process-driven, data-driven, etc., and also taken up some other roles like service delivery, management, chapel leadership, and currently a practice lead. Um, I have worked with different industry sectors, including global technology firms, telecom, uh, banking and financial services, government and not-for-profit um, organizations. And personally, I enjoy uh, spending time with my family and two children and uh, follow my passion in dance and gardening. Thank you. Thank you so much for the detailed introduction, Ramya. Uh, Jack, I'll pass to you next and ask, uh, ask for you to do the same, if you don't mind, mate. Thanks so much, Lewis, and great to be here. And thanks for the invitation. Good to be able to join you to discuss this topic that I'm very passionate about. Um, as you mentioned in the intro, my name's Jack Packham. Um, I am a chapter lead for business analysis at Prezi. Um, we're a digital gifting platform. Um, currently in the, the really the scale-up phase, um, we've grown substantially in terms of the people in our team and also the scale of our operations, um, particularly over the last three years. Um, but Prezi's been around for, I think we've just ticked over to eight years now, actually. Um, and it's a it's really a great joy to lead the team that I get to lead. Um, I've got 10 in the team at the moment who are really passionate, diligent business analysts um, operating in an agile environment environment and you know we get to work through that together and help to um, sharpen one another in the way that we operate um, prior to this role I was actually working at Optus uh, where I was for four years um, and also in the business analysis practice area there um, early career for me was time spent in uh, black belt so kind of working in process um, breaking down processes to see where the issues lie and that's really kind of come through in my passion into business analysis as well so those two have really come together nicely over the past few years um, when I'm not working, I've got four young kids, so very, very likely I would be with them. Um, so that's really my passion outside of work. I run occasionally, but it doesn't always fit in the calendar. Uh, thank you so much, Jack. Uh, with two kids myself, I'm not entirely sure how you manage four, so you're a better man than me. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, by any means, Kushal, I'll, I'll throw to you for an introduction. 
Thanks, Luis. As everybody know, my name is Koshal Shah. I'm uh, a delivery lead in Empol Energy. Uh, I joined Empol uh, a year and a, uh, a little bit more or before. Uh, Empol itself is a hundred-year-old company, mainly dealing in fuel uh, business. But uh, now, oh, that the fuel uh, and the decarbonization is a uh, kit in by the government. Ampol have started investing their uh, focus into the renewables and energy sector. Um, so uh, my key role is to uh, enable Ampol delivering the capabilities for Ampol Energy. Recently, we introduced our brand as Ampol Energy in Queensland, and we are going to be soon in New South Wales uh, market uh the plan for uh next two years is that we enter in major uh areas of australia including victoria uh sa the only area which is technically not allowed for uh, for any retailer to enter is wa so we will skip that part once uh, government make uh, a decision on that uh uh, before joining Empol Energy, I worked with Origin Energy and before that worked with uh, AGL. Um, so I, in last 16 years, I have a very in-depth knowledge of en en energy industry and worked in different uh, areas of, of energy. But last six years, I'm working for major projects where I work with a lot of uh, business analy analysts and trying to make sure that uh, we incorporate everyone's needs and try to find the best balance between each other. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Kashal. Great to obviously get a background on on all three of you so that people can understand, I guess, the different uh, perspectives that you're all bringing to the table on this today. Um, so I guess really we'll, we'll dive into the topic. And um, I guess before we even start, I want to say thank you to all three of you for, for wanting to speak on this topic, because I guess quite often the topics are brought to us by people that want to talk on this. This is a topic I actually brought to each of you that, uh, you know, I guess is something that I observed, you know, from a recruitment perspective over the last five years as businesses pushed more and more for their engineers to be able to work so closely with the business and gather requirements. And I probably observed five years ago that I thought the role of the business analyst was was initially in danger, and I thought a lot of organisations might get rid of the role. Um, you know what I've discussed with all three of you prior to this is that that's almost been completely the opposite. There's been a boom in that role. So, um, you know, the overarching topic is something I was really keen to get other people's viewpoints on. But obviously, the content and the questions we'll discuss are what you guys have brought to the table. So, thank you for indulging me on that. So. <laughs> um, the, the first question we'll, we'll dive into um, was a question that Ramya posed, and she said, um, you know, how, how do you deal with the evolving roles, as a leader this is, how do you deal with the evolving roles and responsibilities of a modern BA in Agile at scale organisations? Um, so I, I'll probably throw it to you, Koshal, first of all. I'm keen to get your viewpoint on this. Yeah, uh, definitely, Luis. Um, see, in my view, oh, Agile is a very a largely a, or very vaguely used word in in the industry, and not everybody actually understands what agile methodologies lies and how it has been best practiced. There are few companies in Australia who does a very a, in depth practice of agile. However, most of the uh, industries I have been with are using a hybrid methodology between agile and waterfall so 
rather than just going into the names and and trying to oh, put out um, like sprints uh, planning um, and deli- delivery releases uh, uh, and the words like that is not uh, completely agile in my, uh, my view understanding the agile uh, structure and the methodology behind it what is mvp is how you come to mvp is more important than using the words itself because when we are talking about agile what i personally feel is that people are using the agile words but not relating their stories to the agile methodologies which uh, brings a, a discomfort in others because um, for mainly two reasons one is that uh, the person may not understand where you are coming from and the second is that they do not understand what you want to achieve at the end of it so and these are the main two areas where i personally look into and see like after each uh, discussion where i add value to the business i think jack i have some more comments to add over here Yeah, thanks Krishnan. And I think you captured that so well. I think it's the uh, the difference between doing agile and being agile. You know, you see so many places where exactly as you pointed out there are those practices, you know, those words we kind of associate with agile methodologies, you know, like we're in scrum, we have a kanban board, we use jira, therefore we are agile. And you know, I think that that can create some real issues for people operating in a team. You know, agile is this spectrum everywhere from, you know, we hold daily stand-ups, therefore we are agile to you know that kind of truest form of product ownership with a self-organizing team from cross disciplines uh, really practicing the agile mindset that exists so i think you know when we're supporting team members in it that key is understanding that agile is actually a mindset you know it finds its way out in terms of principles then applied through practices uh, but if we just look at the practices it's insufficient because we don't understand why we're doing them we don't understand the mindset that drives them and therefore we can't add value through them they just feel like these weird kind of frameworks we press across the work that we're already doing um, and i think if that's how we're operating it's actually really frustrating operating in that kind of environment but if you can work out the way to understand the mindset and bring it to life and actually have those practices uh, be meaningful then i think you're on the way to kind of really helping a team through that process. And Ramy, I'd imagine you've kind of got a, a, an opinion on that as well. Obviously, it's a question you've posed, so I'm sure you've got a view on I guess, you know, what responsibility the BA has to actually to Kashao's point, you know, really kind of practice what you preach rather than just go through the motions as it were. Absolutely. And firstly, a uh, great uh, point Jack and Koshil. I totally agree with agile being the mind mindset shift than methodology itself. Um, firstly, I wanted to highlight um, a couple of things. Companies can scale up agile effectively and create substantial benefits when they are set up rightly, when the teams are set up correctly. Because in the last uh, decade or so, we've seen massive exponential changes in terms of how organizations transform themselves, uh, be it with ways of working, initiatives, innovation, and all that to keep up with the trends. Um, Likewise, the teams has also evolved along with it, and also the role of a business analyst. BAs are no longer traditional capturers of requirements and elucidations, and uh, they don't just translate in one one line. They are they have taken up center um, uh, taken up the center stage in much more responsibilities, be it in terms of ownership, building strategic partnerships with product and technology leaders and the whole squad, and being 
end-to-end in the game completely than just coming in, passing requirements and going ahead with the rest of the work. And there's also an increasing need of cross-collaboration that I'm seeing all the time. You can't just isolate yourself and work in silos. Um, when we talk about agile at scale, you could have possibly have numerous tribes and squads collaborating together with overlaps and common interested areas. So the BA has to be fully aware of what um, is the purpose of their team in line with the product manager's vision at the same time, communicate things and navigate through things end to end. Um, that's what um, I would like to mention. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think, Koshal, I can see, uh, I can see you nodding away as we as we talk here. <laughs> you know, feel, feel free. I get the impression there's probably more you want to add on that particular topic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so w- one very good point, Ramir, is like the B- BA focus has been shifted from just capturing uh, requirements. In my view, oh, it is a lot more. Uh, our responsibilities has been given to a modern BA and uh, in in agile world uh, the modern BA is not just uh, being a requirement captured person but it's more into oh, a brain and a soul of of your project so they have to oh, oh, discuss with other parties to find out what's the best possible solution is because you have your DevOps team who are very focused in developing something, but if you cannot translate a, a business requirements into a, a really good user stories, then it becomes uh, very hard for DevOps teams to actually translate to, uh, them into actually a, any sort of a outcome for the business and uh, the user stories are uh, highly been used as as a word where a three line item has been written as uh, um, as i want to also that which is fantastic for uh, relating personas to it however it is not uh, everything so uh, what else is there in your story is also uh, what is your technical uh, requirements what is your non-technical requirements what what is your acceptance criteria uh, all of these things are uh, are part of your capturing user stories uh, in a model agile world which has been uh, missed in the hybrid culture uh, at the moment and uh, where I see like there are a few occasions where uh, user stories has been marked as completed uh, without actually a proper understanding that is actually story is complete or not. But I have Ramya over here uh, who wants to add a cu- couple of more things to it. Oh, sure. After you, Kushil. In fact, um, a good point regarding the uh, roles and responsibilities. I also wanted to highlight that um, um, the changing times it's not just the techniques and tools that a BA applies has uh, evolved. It's also the overall um, approach in terms of being creative to problem solving. It's not, we don't have to wait for the problems to happen before jumping into the problem. Um, the fundamental requirement for the BAs have increasingly become to be more proactive, passionate, and also um, fearless in terms of asking questions, not just about asking questions, have your tools and techniques in place so that it can be um, methodically used to make sure that everyone's time is respected. At the same time, I'm as a BA um, retrieving the maximum benefits in my constrained time and um, effort. Um, or um, that's uh, that's another shift that I'm uh, seeing. 
Yeah, I think also um, just to add to what you've said, Ramya, I, I have definitely said in that pattern emerge you know i think people who have become comfortable operating in a waterfall environment you know you have these points of real clarity you go around you get your requirements document signed off you know then you're ready to go you hand it over to the dev team they start work on it you're good you can you can actually move on to the next thing and that's just not the case in, a, in an agile in a scrum model specifically you know because you're there to really continually refine those requirements you know you want to have them obviously when you're developing you don't want to be continuing to refine at that point but i think it's actually it, it removes a lot of clarity around the ba role which means that you need to be multi-skilled and multidisciplinary. you're much more of a, a swiss army knife i think once you move into a to an agile environment oh yeah i wanted to add on to that as well jack in fact um um, as agile bees, I'm in this agile environment like for over from 2010, and even that agile journey itself has evolved so much, and the understanding and mindset of people has evolved. Um, tr traditionally, it used to be the case that bees need to be ahead of two sprints and just make sure that they pass on the requirements to development. And while things are in sprint being developed, you shift your focus towards the getting the pipeline ready and getting up stories for the next sprint and all that stuff. But right now in this matrix model, it's not just about producing requirements and passing it on to the next next sprint. You got to be really um, prepared in terms of having conversations upfront on the broader areas and uh, challenging things wherever it's required. Because right now there are so many constraints. You can't just, uh, you have to have an MVP kind of mindset where uh, what is the most beneficial thing for the business to release and considering the priorities in line with what the product manager and what the team has in mind and all that stuff. So it's, um, um, again, coming back to our original point, thinking on all aspects, it's not, um, be it like, uh, are we having the right mindset when it comes to privacy and governance related concerns? Are we having the right uh, uh, coverage in terms of all other areas when it comes to technological constraints and all of it? So it's, it's taking a 360 approach to defining the needs itself is becoming increasingly important. Yeah, and I just want to add one more uh, thing into it, Ramya, uh, uh, that uh, the focus on the customer is very much uh, in uh, every industry at the moment. And looking from a uh, customer's point of view, oh, there are a lot of occasions where the user stories are created uh, with one type of customer uh, or needs in mind and missing a couple of uh, key requirements be, uh, behind it. So, oh, as a BA, how you can add values to understand those user stories from the customer point of view, creating that in-depth uh, uh, understanding of each user stories from different personas and adding those uh, those into a different stories that that also a part of uh, this new environment. Jake, you want to add? Yeah, thanks, Kushal. You just you, you reminded me of a of a story from a previous organization where we were setting up a new squad and it said, you know, we need a BA. And it said next to the that 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 name in the list, what are they going to do in the story in the squad? Sorry, and it just said story writer. And I thought, it's not wrong. They will write stories, but it's insufficient. They do so much more than that. Like to write a good story, like you said, you need to understand what your customer is trying to achieve. You need to understand what the organization overall is trying to achieve. You need to be an expert at story decomposition so taking things from initiatives into epics into user stories and tasks you know you need to be able to write excellent acceptance criteria so 
I just remember seeing that word story, right? And I was like, yes, but there's so much more to it than that. You know, the, the, the role itself is so much broader and the, the process you go through to create that clarity is actually a real, a real craft. I mean, that's why we have so many BAs operating in Agile and it's where we can add so much value, I think, as well. Oh, so true, Jack. In fact, uh, talking about story writing in this modern world, anybody can write stories in a Scrum team. So it's not just uh, the forty of a business analyst. And and also stories are merely like conversation starters to a great point. And there's much more to add on to enrich the stories and requirements as such. But I, I guess um, you, you've all raised some, some absolutely fantastic points, I guess, there about the evolutions, the responsibilities, um, and uh, the broadening responsibilities, as well as the challenges of those roles specifically within Agile, which probably takes us really nicely onto the, to the question, the topic that you proposed, Jack, which is, you know, as, as a leader, uh, which obviously all three of you are in, in your respective industries and your respective businesses, how do you effectively coach and mentor BAs given the evolution? And we could probably take that a step further and say the rapid evolution of responsibilities within this role. You know, that, that, that's a lot uh, when a role evolves so quickly. How do you keep yourself up to speed enough to, to develop all the people within your team that want to learn all these skills? So, I'll, um, Rami, I'll probably throw this to you first, actually. Sorry, I was trying to find the unmute button. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, this is one of my favorite uh, areas. And um, as a leader, I'm always passionate about people and their development. And mentorship and coaching is something that can't be... Um, you know, excluded, uh, maybe I'll restart, Lewis. Um, your question is to do with uh, how do you effectively coach and mentor BAs, right? Okay, sure. Um, as I mentioned, this is one of my favorite uh, topics. As a leader, I'm constantly um, working with people to be part of their own self-development and preparing them as better BAs and setting up uh, themselves for success in their respective roles. Um, when I speak about mentorship and coaching, they are pretty different from each other. So um, in my practice here at Endeavor Group, we've got um, a number of BAs across different uh, proficiency levels, be it entry level towards mids, towards seniors, and um, possibly principals so on as well. And the journey of a business analyst starts even before they come into the practice with their roles and titles. Um, what I've discovered is like there are so many... This is a discipline that has a lot of overlap when it comes to transferable skills. People might be there out in the organization doing different types of roles, be it like um, business SMEs or um, maybe even um, store managers, for example, or they could do something totally different like customer hub or contact center people, but they would have rich amount of transferable skill set that can be capitalized effectively, uh, helping them towards their journey of business analysis. And with mentorship, what um, uh, works, what I found to be working very well is, first of all, it starts with the self-evaluation process. Before even identifying the needs, we need to understand, I need to understand where I'm standing right now. So I ha um, we have a good framework where you could just evaluate yourself in terms of your capabilities, competencies, strengths, and also areas of improvement in line with your aspirations, because it's the, there might be a number of areas to improve on, but is it in line with your aspirations is more important. Once that clarity is obtained and post conversations with their leaders, there'll be a clear understanding of each individual's own development requirements and learning needs. And then starts the whole uh, idea of tailoring uh, to the needs. Uh, with mentorship, what we normally do is pair up uh, BAs 
with um, another BA, be it a senior, a junior, or it doesn't have to be in, in terms of even levels. If you have a gap in a skill set that somebody else has, the effective pairing helps a lot and they um, can show some great results over the period of time. With respect to coaching, it's actually slightly different that experts come into the picture. Uh, say, for example, we have monthly user story training sessions or acceptance criteria training sessions, mapping and all that stuff, which is run by experts who are in the business doing it for a number of times and then train the fellow uh, newbies who are new to the concept. And it's not just a concept or a theory. It is also in line with the organization's ways of working. Every organization has its own ways of working and it's very much important to adapt to the culture as well as the ways of working. And um, other types of coaching and men, um, uh, development um, things that have worked really, really well is um, maybe shadowing people and also online portals, for example, Udemy and uh, LinkedIn Learning. Those are really um, very powerful. All it requires is like, you don't have to wait for someone else to come and own your development plan. You need to own your development plan. You need to be clear about what you wanted to achieve. And then um, in this lean, agile leadership um, system, what it all works with, the leaders are there to support and make sure that all that uh, is, um, uh, done to effectively empower the employees and then the rest of it is taken care of by the people and um, um, sorry going on and on uh, but uh, the last topic is about pathways itself uh, not just uh, coming into the practice if you are aspiring towards a different type of role like a scrum master or a product manager and all that stuff it's again mentoring within the practice to make sure that you are um, preparing yourself for your next effective role so that's, um, yeah, there's lots to plan with respect to mentorship and coaching. Yeah, that's so good, Ramya. And I think we we do lots of similar things. I was hearing you yeah. speak and I was just like, yep, that's that's the way we yeah. do it as well. We've got a competency framework. You know, we get people self-assessing quarterly. I think my team always know we we kind of creep towards the end of a quarter and like, they know the message is coming to sit down and go through their uh, their self-assessment. And that just, it drives the conversations. You know, we see where those gaps are. It's a really simple tool we use. They're just rating themselves one to five on on kind of areas that we've, we've drawn out of the BA body of knowledge, actually. And, you know, they're quite broad, but it helps you drive those discussions. And then separately, we check against techniques to see where people are at with individual techniques. Because my view with them, I think there's over a hundred techniques now listed in the BA body of of knowledge and there's just no need for a BA to know a hundred different techniques, right? Like you can have a toolbox that has a hundred different tools in it, but realistically you use the same five most of the time. You know, you've got your screwdriver, your hammer, whatever it is. So I think that's my view around techniques. So I like to find who's an expert in particular things, you know, get them showcasing back to the rest of the group. You know, how do you do customer journey mapping? How do you do story mapping? How do you do story decomposition? Whatever it is, kind of get them showcasing back. But as you said, um, having it in line with their individual development plan. And I think in these environments, people need to take ownership of their own plan in that way, right? Because you can't see all the pathways that are in front of them, but what you can help them do is guide them into those opportunities as they exist. And I love what you said about hiring from, you know, within the business into business analyst roles. I just this week got to um, hand over a, a contract variation to one of our QA leads who's joining us as a BA. And that's fantastic because this person is values aligned to the organization. They know how things work they've been in the squads they know how our agile model works and they're actually really able to hit the ground running so um, i think it's a great way to do it it's a great kind of development plan that people can have and grow with and see that kind of progression through what they're looking to do i completely agree with you jack and two particular uh, areas which i normally look into is uh, eagerness to learn 
uh, from from whatever uh, position you are uh, what do you want to achieve in next 2 years or 3 years if uh, you find a person in that position then look into oh, his day to day activities what he is doing what, what he is responsible for how good you are able to do those responsibilities and and where are your gaps knowing that uh, and knowing your strength is most important in ge- getting up uh, for a new role or getting a step up for any position uh, i'm not just talking about bf but from anywhere i see lot of couple a uh, lot of good knowledge uh, uh, people in the business every now and then and some of them already know that they can do better job than uh, the ba who works in in different projects and stuff like that however transferring their knowledge to us uh, those um, big areas of uh, understanding what that ba is doing better than them um is a key question to ask however they just end up uh, saying that oh i can do better job and not hitting the mark and not able to get those um those step up roles and getting frustrated over there and uh when i see italians around around those areas i go or or discuss uh, with them and says what do you think why you are not getting those role what, what you need and giving them that self uh, awareness that what they are missing is actually very key in in a mentoring sessions uh, so they can understand uh the differences between and uh, two roles because they might be right they might be uh, knowledgeable in that particular area but for a ba it is not just one area has to uh, he has to look for or she has to look for it's a, a broader business outcome uh, they are trying to achieve and that's where the disconnect is so when i'm mentoring couple of my i i team members and stuff like that i always says that look into the person's a position where uh, look into their responsibilities and then evaluate yourself honestly that how good you can do those responsibilities and then you can uh, go and talk with uh, the leaders and says that i think i can do that give me a opportunity to showcase rather than going and saying like i can do better than this person because every person is different no one can uh, do a job better than anybody else they always can do a job different than others hence i always says that take the opportunity to showcase what you can do and what you can deliver and hand over to you ramya sure sure thanks koshil in fact i wanted to tie up the question one and two because because we so far talked about the evolution of roles and responsibilities of the pa in modern times as well as mentorship and coaching what i found is these changing times have actually given a lot of opportunities in the space of training and mentorship as well because the best way to learn anything is to learn practically and because we've got so many cross functional teams so many initiatives happening at the same time the organizations are in general fast paced what it means to the ba is they don't have to just focus on your own team and spend 100% of your time in the current project or initiative um by being a bit more uh, creative what we uh, try to do is like if you are um, if you if we could um, support bees to take off 20% of their time or around something around that to focus on things that they are really passionate about or to develop us um, um in their next role um 
just associate them with uh, a BA or a senior BA in a different team. So they get to learn not just a different skill set, they also get to learn the practical experiences that are required to thrive in that different squad as well in addition to it. And time and again in these agile teams, you're not stuck with one team. You have to navigate, you have to switch between different initiatives. And for that, there's an increasing need to be more flexible, more adaptable. And by proactively planning that training and mentorship, we are actually empowering the bees to be more adaptable for their next assignment. Yeah, that's really good, Ravier. Just to sort of build on that as well, I think, you know, what what I often say to to my team is to you want to be really clear on the unique value that you can bring to your squad or your team. Because the truth is that the hours in the day of a BA can fill up so quickly because we do have that kind of Swiss Army knife mentality. We can do so many things, but we want to focus on those uniquely, the things that we can do that uniquely add value. Because uh, otherwise, you can be drawn in so many different directions. And a couple of the conversations that I I often have a you know that thinking around uh, what we call t-shaping you guys probably heard the phrase as well you know you have your your deep craft of business analysis sort of that vertical line of the t then across the top you've got that shorter horizontal line so think about what you can t-shape into as well you know maybe you contribute a little to the testing in your squad or your team maybe you work with the the marketing person in your team and you think about upcoming campaigns you know just things to kind of broaden what you're looking at and that probably feeds into the second one which is around the idea that you know we used to sort of have a career ladder i think that thing is much more now a career lattice you know it kind of it crosses both ways you can move sideways you can also move up and those t-shaping opportunities often then lean into opportunities to kind of grow whether it's horizontal or whether you're kind of moving up the ladder in that way and i try and get people out of that linear mindset of you know i just got to go up you know i go from associate ba or whatever it is to ba to senior ba there are there are other options and it doesn't preclude you from then coming back to a ba role or you know maybe you want to lead people or maybe you just want to really specialize in your craft and um, all those discussions are really valuable just to help people think what are you good at what do you enjoy and you know where, where is it needed as well what opportunities exist that maybe we can put you forward for sooner because there's a need for this thing in the business i think there's i think there's some fantastic points uh, obviously from everyone there again in in terms of um you know the approach while i I love the idea of obviously the transferable skills that you can find from industry i know from previous conversations with ramia as well you know that's something that you guys really kind of practice as well you know you practice and preach that over uh, endeavor as well and i know you you said you've hired some great people in previous conversations from that um and i absolutely love the the toolbox analogy uh i mean partly because and a slight slight story but uh when I when I moved into my first apartment after leaving home, my, one of the things my dad bought me as a housewarming gift was a full-on toolbox, like a properly big toolbox filled with everything I could ever need. I don't know how to move use to your point much more than the screwdrivers, the pliers, the saw, and the hammer. Um, so, but but that gets most things done. And I think you know if you apply that to what you guys are talking about, it's exactly Jack. You don't need to know a hundred things if you know five things really well then you can deliver the vast majority of what you're likely to be asked to do. Um, And then, you know, go and lean on an SME, go and lean on, you know, testing or the dev guys or or somebody else in the business to take you that extra kind of five or 10% or whatever it is that you can't deliver. So um, yeah, I I think, uh, I I think some really interesting approaches from all of you there in terms of kind of how you effectively coach and mentor. Um, We'll we'll bring this around to Koshal's question now, which, um, you know, I guess is a little bit different to to the question that uh, yourself and, um, yourself and Ramya posed, Jack. 
so Kashal, you wanted to ask, how can a BA use automation and robotics in their ways of working? So obviously, you know, the, these days, all the buzz is around AI and things like ChatGPT and all these different tools we can use. So as a BA, how can you use automation and robotics in your ways of working, I guess, to make your to make your role in your life easier? So, uh, Jack, I don't think I've thrown to you first on any of the questions yet, so I'll throw it to you here. <laughs> I really like this question, Kashal. I think it's a really interesting one. What what I have seen, because my my background is in process as well, not just a sort of business analysis prior to that, but the, the issue that sometimes comes out with automation and robotics is that when you're a specialist in that, when that's what you do well, you know, to, to kind of labor the uh, the analogy from the toolbox, when that's the hammer that you have, everything looks like a nail. So people can go around trying to solve everything with automation and robotics. And that's just not what you want to do. You know, you've got, you've got to get in behind the understand the process end to end look at what you can fix without automation and robotics and then in those gaps that you can't resolve without it get it in there because otherwise you, you end up with a kind of a patchwork process where you know over time it becomes so hard to even track what's taking place to even understand end to end what's actually the value being delivered here but that being said it is hugely valuable and if you're a BA who has a particular kind of slant towards you know tools like UiPath um, you're going to have an opportunity um, to solve very particular problems where processes have high volumes running through them, right? Like automation and robotics can add so much value in that instance. So I think that's that's my key thought on it is just make sure you're looking at the end-to-end -end process first, not just going, we're going to solve this with uh, robotics and automation. You exactly hit the uh, nail over there, Jack. Uh, because what I have seen uh, happening in, in the business is that, oh, we have a robotics team. Let's uh, give them and using uh, robotics as a bandage solution. Robotics are not a bandage solution. It's a, a solution, but it is not the solution. Uh, and not every process can go to the robotics and, and put it over there because then it also creates exceptions. And and I seen the robotics process is creating an exception and create a robotics process to action that, those exceptions uh, and going in the uh, never ending loop over there. Uh, it's fantastic to see how people can think robotics and stuff like that. There are different ways of doing this work. And absolutely, there is no need to put robotics on every process over there. It's completely understanding what you can't fix or what is uh, what is uh, that you have to spend too much to fix it and can it be achieved by a manual process for a short period of time or or for a small amount of uh, amount of people and if you have those robust processes in place you then think about robotics for those um, minimum processes not for everything um, and this is where uh, i think ba has to be very upfront and evaluating the process, try to understand where is the gaps. And if it is actually better to solve it in any other way than robotics or not. So the answer is is where you actually know what is your problem statement is rather than going into the solution uh, head on and says, oh, we can fix it by robotics. And that's where I feel like uh, as a business analyst, uh, we have to step up a game and try to challenge business saying that you want to do robotics do you really need it 
and if the answer is after that yes then think about it but if there is any other answer saying that oh but we have to spend too much time doing it then the answer is not robotics the answer is how we can fix the issue uh, i will hand over to you ramya sure i like the word um that you mentioned about uh, there's there needs to be a need to automate and um even before that as a be often the first important thing that uh, one um Uh, or as a ba the most important thing is not to get into solution mode in the early stages of requirements and uh, problem uh, definition so um, be it for uh, i always ask myself this question is this the best use of so i can approach it in two different ways automation when it comes to the actual initiative or the project or the solution that the ba is working on as part of a team versus automation in their own ways of working to improve efficiencies and drive productivities in the former it i agree with totally with both of you uh, jack and kushal like um, is there a need to automate or is there a need to streamline it's all benefits driven if there are going to be um um enough benefits to reap out of the effort then it's not worthy of continuing the cost on the other side um, i always my m- ask myself this question of um is this a wise use of my time do i have to do it manually all the uh, every time be it writing user stories or even acceptance criteria if things can be automated down the line why don't i put some extra effort up front to make sure that it's all uh future focused in terms of how i'm coming up with requirements at the same time there are repeated operational and mundane tasks for example i need to run my reports and do my exploratory data analysis which can be actually automated or uh with a report why should i be doing it manually so um thinking critically and differentiating um uh what's that um uh, Uh, where where would your time go best is something that i found it really really useful so that um uh you can be more productive and um the value of a business analyst could be fully re- uh, realized by the whole team rather than just doing things just for the sake of ticking the boxes i think a really good point uh, on that and it kind of ties in with with what a couple of you have said as well is that you know if you if you think about the the fundamental basics of a good business analyst um you know robotics automation process will only ha- help you if you've already got a really thorough understanding of what the problem you're trying to solve is and i think at the heart of every good business analyst is someone that can understand what it is they're trying to solve and for whom if they can if they can understand that then you know you all the tools in the world to aid you with that but if you don't get the part right up front then all of the rest of it kind of becomes a tad irrelevant would, would that be fair Totally, totally, Lewis. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's true of any situation, right? That problem definition is critical, and your ability to articulate that problem to then the team that's going to solve it. If you can do that well, you know, it might be the robotics as a solution. It might just be that you need to make a code change somewhere upstream. You know, there might be a much simpler way to solve that problem. So, yeah, definitely identifying and correctly um, understanding the root cause for the problem is is critical. absolutely louis and also oh, that knowing what you are are solving for whom you are solving and, and if there is a need of doing automation just uh, to save some money or, or or getting something very quickly then by all means do that but that should not be your 
your goal from starting and that okay we can just do this and uh, we can live with it for longer period of time it's it should be used as a tool not as a solution in my view yeah and also talking about stakeholder management um, which is again another key topic when it comes to business analysis um these days not just humans but machines are also our key stakeholders when it comes to uh, interpreting uh, content created by machines for example and making sure that that also feeds into our requirements so um the whole game of automation itself expands further when it comes to when we if at all we get to talk about ai and all other stuff as well so which means um the mindset itself um has to be um in a way that um Yes, there are certain manual things that can be automated. There are certain things with the help of machines we can solve, um, establish an effective collaboration and solve problems together. But the need for a BA is going to exist nevertheless. For example, when we talk about cognitive skills or emotional skills or social skills, that's where we make a difference amidst all these automation and AI and everything. So that um, um, if BAs continue to focus on these trends in terms of what makes adds more value to the organization, everything. thing is like a add on it's beneficial to turn the table in terms of how better we can drive efficiencies that's such a good point rabia i think you know we talk about how you can use a tool like chat gpt to help bas and really the flip side of that for existing bas is what can you do that chat gpt can't because the answer is chat gpt can write a good user story what it can't do is understand the broader context that you're operating in it can't understand the dev team how well do they already know this problem you know what level of detail do i actually need to include what do i need to highlight because it's an organizational imperative that we're working on and we want to see how that flows through into the solution that we offer you know there are things that ai is going to be able to do and there are things that it's not going to be able to do and we need to focus on those uniquely human things i guess that we can do as bas to to add the value yeah and i think that i think that point in a, in a in a great way kind of acts as a fantastic punctuation point to our entire conversation really if if we talk about kind of what we were what we were here to address and the role of ba in a modern tech and product company ultimately that kind of last point that you've all made there is that this role is going nowhere anytime soon <laughs> you may get aid you may get support there may be other ways of doing it you know but ultimately the role um you know we talked about it right at the start has had a renaissance and it's going nowhere anytime soon and I, and i think that's kind of a fantastic point um and probably rounds out our conversation really nicely i'm sure i mean i'm sure we could all talk for hours on this topic i know having spoken with all three of you individually that you've got lots of opinions here um but i'm conscious <laughs> i'm conscious that you know for you guys and also for our listeners you know there's only a certain amount of information we can kind of break down at any one time so um Look, I'll take the opportunity to say thank you so much to all of you for joining today. Really appreciate you sharing your thoughts, your input, your stories as well, and kind of some of the examples as well. So, uh, once again, for those of you listening, our guests on today's podcast are Ramya Powraj from Endeavour Group, we have Jack Packham from Prezi, and we have Koshal Shah from Ampol. If you are currently undergoing or about to undergo a major program of work in your business, if you're hiring for new projects, looking for a new role or would love to get into a similar discussion about a topic like this, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution to see how we can help. Again, my name is Lewis Burks. You can find me on LinkedIn as well as the link in my profile to our full series of podcasts. I'd like to thank you guys all again. Thank you so much for listening as well. And we hope you can join us next time on the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast. Thank you.